So we are in our last Sunday of our January series that we have entitled He Is. And if you've been here, you know we've been just talking about who God is because we live in a society where the idea of who God is is becoming more and more subjective. We know that the word of God is very clear on who he is, so we're gonna base what we believe and think about who he is based on his word. And we just thought it was a great way to start the new year off, to lay a good foundation of the character and the characteristics of God and how we fit into all of it. Uh, Kel did a great job last week sharing that God is our perfect partner. And um, today I'm going to finish it off. And my text verse is gonna be out of Galatians 2. You can turn to your Bibles there if you have one or it will be on the screen behind me as well. Uh, I know you've been standing and sitting a lot. One more time, if you'll stand with me, please. And I'll let you sit until the end after this. Um, Galatians 2, verses 19 and 20. This is Paul's letter to the church in Galatia. He was correcting some bad theology and some bad teaching. And he says, through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. The title of my message today is, He is our purpose. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, we love you. You are awesome in this place. Would you continue to be awesome? Would you meet every single heart in this place today, live, watching online, watching later? Every one of us, Lord, would you do what only you can do in our lives, God? Move us out of the way so you can work in each one of our lives, God, for your glory, for our good, and for our purpose. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. God bless you, you can be seated. So one of the biggest questions that we as people will ask when we're being kind of reflective or inquisitive about our life or maybe introspective is what is the purpose of life, right? I'm sure you've heard that many times. You probably thought it yourself many times. Uh, and it really just means why am I here? We as human beings want to know why we're here. We go through seasons where we don't care maybe, but then we go through seasons where we really feel like we need to know and we wanna know our purpose. Uh, that's, not, that's not exclusive to just people in church or Christians. That's every human that's ever lived has probably wanted to know their purpose in life and wants to know why they're here. Um, in fact, if you do a Google search, you will see that there are all kinds of different ideas of what the purpose of life is. And spoiler alert, I did a Google search because I was wanting to see what, what other places say and what areas of uh, society say. And so I'm gonna give you just a few of them so we can uh, kind of get our, our gears working this morning. Uh, in the world of psychology, they say that the purpose of life is to continue to evolve by learning and growing or to set meaningful goals and do something that makes a difference in the world. That's not bad, right? That makes sense. Uh, in the world of the arts, the artistic folk, they say that the purpose of life is to find oneself, to find joy, contentment, and satisfaction in one's pursuits and relationships. Sounds very artsy, doesn't it? Uh, in the world of science, now you know they're gonna come through with theirs, and they say that the purpose of life is survival and perpetuation of the species and to reproduce, basically to avoid extinction. Leave it to the scientists to say, listen, the purpose of life is just to keep it going, right? And then in secular society in general, it's basically to lead a good life, find out what makes you happy, and do it. That's basically the definition of humanism. That's what the secular society would say is the meaning of life. And none of those are bad things, right? All of those are pretty good things, and they will give you a sense of purpose at least momentarily or for a season. But there's one big problem with all of these purposes of life that we see. And if you search, you'll see 
You could, you could search for days, weeks, years to, talk, to look at all the results of what people think the purpose of life is. And if you look at them, you'll see the same thing, a common thread through all of them. They're all about me. They're all about this person. What is it for me? What does it look like for me to have, have purpose in my life? Because even the psychology one that says, you know, it's about making a difference in the world, that's still about how it makes me feel to know that I've made a difference in the world. And it's all about me. And that's a problem. And I'm sure many of you know where I'm going with this because when we talk about living a life of faith, when we live a life of faith in God, there is a much better and a much more sustainable purpose that we can have in life. And it's summed up in my text verse that I read this, this morning to you out of Galatians 2, where Paul says, the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. In other words, the purpose of this life that I live in this body, on this earth, he's given us the purpose of life for somebody that would be a follower of Jesus, for, really for everybody, because the, the, the plan and the goal and the heart is that all would come to a knowledge of Jesus. And he says that the purpose of life is basically to put my faith in Jesus. Now this is a huge shift from all these other purposes of life because in all of those, the goal is to put your faith in yourself. It's to put your faith in how you're going to be able to have a life that feels like it has purpose, have a life that feels content and satisfied and all those things. And you know what, that's a pretty daunting task for us as, as human beings. To think that the burden would be on me to figure out what my purpose is, it's an incredibly daunting task. And here's the good news, it's not even actually our responsibility. It's not meant to be on us to figure out what my purpose is. It's not meant to be my job to figure out why I have purpose and what that would be and what's, what is it gonna take to make me feel like there's a reason that I'm here. You see, one of the biggest paradigms in all of the faith, for, for those of us that would call ourselves Christians, one of the biggest paradigms is that the moment that you step into salvation, the moment you hear the gospel and you believe it and you receive it and you receive Jesus's work on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins and you step into salvation, that moment, your purpose immediately changes. And it's immediately crystal clear for the rest of your life. Because up until then, your purpose is for yourself, to figure out what is gonna make me happy. Why am I here? Why am I on this marble? What am I gonna do to make myself feel like I'm fulfilled in my life? that purpose completely goes away and your purpose immediately becomes exactly what Paul says, that we would put our faith in Jesus. This body I live in, I live it in faith in God. When we receive the gospel, it changes everything. I am no longer the center of my universe. It's no longer first about my goals or my dreams or my vision or my success or my legacy or my happiness. It's not that those things don't matter, they're just not first anymore. If you're looking at the, if your purpose is a pyramid, at the very top of that pyramid is faith in Jesus. For every single person that would call on the name of the Lord. It does not change, it does not waver, it is the same. And the thing about the gospel, when we receive it, it doesn't just change our eternal destination, it changes our purpose. And that's really good, church, because a lot of us as Christians, we go through long seasons in our life where we miss this. Where our salvation can at times just become about the fact that, well, at least I get to go to heaven when I die. That's, that's the first part, and that's wonderful. But it's not just your eternal destination, it's your purpose today, too. It affects your purpose, it gives you purpose for today. And I know that this isn't new to many of us in this room or watching online. It's not a new thing 
Many of us have heard this and understand this even on some level, but I know it's an issue because for too many of us today, when we talk about having what's my purpose for life, what is the purpose, why am I here, too many of us, even as Christians, say, yeah, I wanna know that too. When I said I wanna to talk to you about purpose, the purpose of life, many of your ears probably perked up thinking, oh good, I hope he gives me something I can use. So I know that many of us are not walking in this purpose that we see that we are meant to walk in. Maybe for some of us it's become dormant, like you've known it, but it's kind of, it's not dead, but it looks like it's dead, like dormant grass looks dead even though it's still alive, but it's, it's not really thriving or doing anything. Maybe that's how you've seen your purpose through, in the gospel and in your faith in Jesus. Or maybe it's anemic, where it's there, but it's thinning out and it's not flourishing. And I just want you to know that I came here today to stir up that dormant purpose in your life and to breathe life into the anemic purpose that so many of us in the church have because we're not meant to live that way. We're meant to live fully fulfilled with a purpose that God has given us. And you might say, well, that's easy to say. It's easy to say on a stage on a Sunday morning, but the reality is there's still all other kinds of stuff in my life that I have to deal with. And it's true. And those things don't go away. And I'm not suggesting those things don't matter. What I'm saying is they're not at the top of the pyramid. And when our purpose at the top of the pyramid is in Jesus, it's amazing how it affects all those other things. But we skirt over that too many times and we focus on the things underneath that and trying to find our purpose in those things rather than finding it in him and letting him show us how, purpose, how he has purpose for us in all of those other things in our life. You see, here's why it's a struggle for us. And I'm not pointing my finger, believe me. I've known I was preaching this message for two weeks, okay? I've known it. And I know it because this is something the Lord's been convicting me of lately. But I can tell you, it's, such a, it's been a, such a remarkably wonderful conviction that has helped me to even reset and refocus. And I feel like it's given me a new sense of purpose in my life. So here's the reason that it's a struggle for us. You see, the gospel is good news, amen? Like, the, literally, actually, the word gospel means good news. The gospel is good news. But if there's good news, how many of you know there's almost always bad news? In fact, if there's no bad news, you really don't need good news. I could just have news. <laughs> but when there's bad news, that's when I need good news. The reason there's good news, the reason there's gospel, is because there's really bad news too. You see, the good news is that the nature of the gospel gives us purpose and life. And we thank God for that. The bad news is that the nature of sin in you brings death that we are dead. In fact, most of us know we are born into sin in our life. We are born into it, it's not something we, it's not, that, it's not that you know when you became 10 years old you lied and so now you're a sinner. You are born a sinner. You are born into a sin nature, the Bible is very clear. We live in a fallen world where we have a sin nature inside of us. So we are born into sin and the thing about sin is that sin doesn't make you a bad person. Sin makes you a dead person. You're not bad because of the sin in your life. You sin because you're dead. You're dead. Spiritually speaking, we are all born into death. And if it was just about the fact that sin made us a bad person, then we could just try to be better. As long as I'm not as bad as this guy, I'm probably okay. But a dead person can't make themselves better because they're dead. And really the Bible's crystal clear on it. If I'm gonna take you to Ephesians 2, this is also a letter from the Apostle Paul. 
In the very first verse of Ephesians 2, look what he says. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and in your sin. We are dead in our sin before Jesus, okay? He also, Paul talks about it also in Colossians chapter two, about being dead in our trespasses. Jesus himself talked about it in James, or John five, where he said that his words breathe life into our dead bodies. That without his words, we are dead. So there is death in us. And the, the thing is, we don't always give enough credence to this. This is something that there has to be an understanding of it to really step into salvation, but I don't feel like we, we put enough weight on it in our life and have as, as much of a revelation understanding of it as we really need to have. And I just wanna, as a statement today, tell you that Jesus didn't come into your life to make a good person better. He came to make a dead person alive. That's what he did for us. Can we praise God today? Thank the Lord. I pray we never lose the gravity of this truth. That without him, we are dead. No matter how long you have been a Christian, it doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for 60 years, if the Spirit of God were to leave you today, you would be dead. You would not be able to stand on your laurels. You would not be able to stand on your merits or on all the good works you did in your life. There's no amount of good works that can take you from death to life. It's only the Spirit of God in us because of what Jesus did for us. That's it. Now, let me qualify all that. The Spirit of God does not leave us, thank God. He says, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. So we don't have to worry about that, but I want you to understand the gravity of who we are without Jesus. That we're not just not good enough, we're dead. And it's why Jesus came and died on the cross for us. But here's the good news when it comes to death. The bad news was in Ephesians 2.1. The good news is just a couple verses later in Ephesians 2.4. He says, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. Thank God that we don't stay in that place of death, but that we are made alive in Christ because of what Jesus did for us. And this is what is so, there's, there's some major irony here in the gospels and in, the, in, the, in faith. You know, the, the, the gospel is simple. The, the tenets of our faith are pretty simple on the surface, but the more you dig into it, there's things about it that can be incredibly confusing and, and incredibly challenging to even interpret. I mean, it's why we have so many different denominations and we have different denominations within denominations because so many people, we just interpret things differently because there is some areas that can be confusing because I just read in my text verse that we are crucified with Christ but now he's saying we're made alive with Christ. It's, it's a little bit confusing, right? There's, this is a paradox here, okay? We're, we're, he's establishing, first of all, that we are dead in our sins without Jesus. We're completely dead. Now Paul says, a couple verses later, we've been made alive with Christ, praise God. But then he goes on to say, oh, I am crucified with Christ and I no longer live. So what's up with that, Paul, right? I mean, so I was dead, now I'm alive, but now I'm dead again? And, and here, here's, the, here's a very easy, simple explanation of this that can speak some light into this situation. First of all, being dead and being made alive is very, very true, and being crucified with Christ. Now, if you know anything about crucifixion, I don't think any of us have ever seen one for real, because they don't do them anymore, but research shows, and even historians, and all the studies, and even in the Word, you could see that the goal of crucifixion was very clear, it's death. Right? No one got put on a cross just to make them suffer for a few minutes and then take them down. The goal of crucifixion was to bring death and 
From what I can read and understand, it pretty much had 100% success rate. It was a, it was a brutal way to die, but you always died. And uh, so if, if we're being crucified, that means we're, being, we're dying again. So we're dead, we're alive, now we're dying. But what's actually Paul is talking about here is not actually dying again. Obviously, this isn't literal. It's not even spiritually death because once we're in Christ, we're not spiritually dead anymore. We're alive. So the death that he's talking about, the crucifixion that he's talking about, we are to be like Christ in that crucifixion. Well, what we know about Jesus in crucifixion is that he gave himself to that crucifixion. They didn't force him to kill him. They didn't force it upon him. They didn't, the mob that came and took him, they, he could have, he said very clearly, hey, I could call down a legion of angels and I'm out of here before you guys can even blink. He gave himself to the cross. He, centered, he surrendered himself, he laid down his life. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he laid down his life to the point of death, even death on a cross is what Philippians tells us. So what Paul is telling us here is you were dead, now you're alive, now you lay down your life for Jesus. That's the purpose of life, church. That's the formula, if you will, that we are, we're dead, now we're alive, and because of what he did for us, we willingly are crucified with him. We are willingly giving up our life, just like Jesus did on the cross, to give our life for him, to not live for ourselves anymore, but to live for him and for his purpose. That's the biggest purpose we could have in life, is to live for him and to follow him. No follower of Jesus should ever stay in a perpetual place of not knowing their purpose. Now, we're all gonna struggle with it at times because we're human beings, and there's times that, I mean, I know my purpose as much as I've known anything in my life, but there's still days that I'm like, God, why am I here? Oh, yeah, that's right. You know, we, we get reminded quickly, but if we go and stay in a perpetual place of not really knowing what our purpose is, we're missing the core of our faith. Because the core of our faith is exactly that. You were dead, now you're alive, so now lay down your life for Jesus. How that works out is gonna be different for all of us and how that, the outworking of that in our life, but it starts there. And when we lose that, that perspective, that's when we start losing our purpose. We start to try to find purpose in other things, even in Christian service or in really good things. We try to find our purpose in that when the reality is that's not your purpose. Your purpose is to lay down your life for Christ. And can I tell you today, if you're frustrated and you stay frustrated about what your purpose is and not really feeling like you understand why you're here, and you don't really, uh, you've kind of lost perspective on that purpose, you're going to live perpetually frustrated. Because it's even worse for us as followers of Jesus because people that are non-Christians, they're gonna find some purpose from somewhere. You know, if you're wired with science, you're gonna find purpose by just making sure you don't get extinct, right? And, and people are gonna find some purpose somewhere. But when you are a Christian and you've got the Spirit of God in you, the Bible tells us very clearly that we get the Holy Spirit, the moment of salvation, so the Spirit of God is in you. You know, one of his jobs is to convict you and to lead you to Jesus, to lead you into your purpose. Well, if your purpose is to lay down your life for him, if you're doing anything other than that, you're gonna be frustrated. And you're never gonna stay in a place of contentment because the contentment comes from laying down our lives for him. Whether you are a vocational minister or whether you are working in a secular job, whether you are retired, whether you are a child, a senior citizen, it doesn't matter. Every one of us has the same purpose at the top of the pyramid. And it is to lay down our life for him. Now, and if you want to know your purpose and you want to believe in the depths of your heart, what I'm talking about and not just something that you're hearing somebody talk about, then there's only one place you start. And that is at the cross. The cross of Jesus. 
And this is where I've experienced some conviction in my life over the last little bit because, you know, it is very easy to make the cross kind of a subtext in our faith. You know, that we're, we're, we're glad it's there. We can kind of treat it like the sun. Like, I'm glad the cross is, I'm glad the sun is there. I know I need it, but I don't really give it much thought except when I'm driving down I-20 in the morning and the sun's in my face, right? And the cross can kind of be that way. Like, I know I need it, I'm thankful for it, but I don't really think about it a whole lot except at Easter and then when it's mentioned in a worship song that I'm singing. And we can do that and it can kind of become a subtext in our life and not necessarily a major priority in our life. And what we do is we do the cross a disservice by neglecting this and we do ourselves a disservice because we lose our purpose. We lose the reason that we are here. The cross is more than just a nice symbol or a token thing. It is what gives us purpose. And I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to explain it to you and convince you of it or remind you of it. One of the biggest reasons Christians struggle with purpose is because we neglect the cross. I'll take you back to my text. He said, the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How did he give himself? The cross. That was him giving himself for us. So now we give ourselves to him. It's all about, it all comes back to the cross. If Jesus came, just came to earth and he lived a good life and he died a, a good old man in his 70s and didn't go to the cross for us, it would be irrelevant. The only people that would get to experience the blessing of Jesus would have been the people that were alive when he was alive. But because he gave himself to the cross, now I get to experience it. And he says, now I want you to do the same. I want you to give yourself to me. We need to get back to the message of the cross regularly in our life, church. It needs to be a regular occurrence in our life that we are considering the cross. Old timer Christians, all the way to the people that just got saved last week. The cross needs to be a major part of our life. In 2,000 years, the cross has never lost one ounce of its power, one ounce of its relevancy, one ounce of its potency, one ounce of its ability to change lives. And it is still changing lives today. It has changed my life. I pray that it has changed your life because of what Jesus did on the cross. This must be a draw for us to Christianity. And as I said, I got a little convicted because, because I feel like I've been in seasons in my life where, you know, just like everybody else, we go through seasons. And I, I, I've been through a season where I feel like I kind of got bored with the cross. And I'm just being honest with you. Like I've said many times, if you're looking for a perfect pastor, you're gonna have to go down the road somewhere because this one's far from perfect. But I will be honest with you. And I can tell you I pursue Jesus with all my heart. And I know that I have gone through a season where the cross was one of those it was something I just wasn't considering a whole lot. I kinda, like I said, I got a little bored with it. I was more concerned about the byproduct of the cross than the cross itself. I was more concerned about what God's going to do for me rather than what he already did for me. It's so easy to do that, church. It is so easy to focus on what are you gonna do for me, God, rather than what you already did for me. And can I tell you, your purpose is never, ever, listen to me, church, as a Christian, your purpose is never, ever found looking forward. It's always found looking back, always. Now, I'm not talking about your past deeds, I'm talking about what Jesus did for you. That is where the purpose is. At the cross is where you find your purpose. That is where you find why you are here. That is where you find what you are meant to do with this life. It is all about the cross. And when we try to look forward to find our purpose, we are missing it and we will be discontent. 
because I have never heard anybody say that, you know, they prayed for something, God did something, oh, he restored a relationship, he, he uh, gave me a job I really needed, he got me out of debt, he, he delivered me from cancer, and he healed me. I've never heard somebody say that that gave them long-term purpose because it's not even meant to, that's not God's plan. His plan is not to give you purpose based on what he's doing for you now. His purpose has given to you before because of what he did for you in the past. So we still pray for things, we still look forward, we still ask God for those things. I'm not suggesting we don't do that. We just don't find our purpose looking forward. We find it looking back. So that, that's why Jesus tells us to ask him to forgive us of our sins as we forgive others, because that is about looking back. That is, the forgiveness of your sins only comes from the cross. And so it's always, always, always about looking back and thanking him for what he's done, thanking him for the cross, thanking him for the fact that he didn't despise it, but that he went to it with joy because he knew what it was gonna do for me, and he knew what it was gonna do for you. And you'll find your purpose there, and all the other stuff is just the outworking of it. It's the subtext. It's the stuff that matters, but it doesn't matter near as much is what he already did for you in your life. Purpose is not found looking forward, it's found looking back. And please don't misunderstand me and don't, or don't misquote me or any of this. I'm not talking about looking back at all the mistakes you've made. That has nothing to do with this. This is all about looking back at what he has done for you. Focus on the cross changes us as much as it saves us. Like I said, it's not just as much about your, it's not only about your, how the cross changes your eternal destination, it also changes your purpose. It's relevant in our life today. And too many of us don't put enough emphasis on that in our life. I can tell you in my own prayer life that when I, am, when I feel like I am tuned in and I have perspective in my life, the overwhelming majority of my prayer life is looking back. It's thanking him for what he's done. It comes through worship, it comes through just adoration, it comes through just talking to him and saying, God, I don't deserve anything you're doing for me. I thank you so much for the cross. I will never, ever, ever fully understand the cross, but I understand it enough to know that that is why I can stand here today. That is why I can have purpose in my life, and it is why I also can know that I'm gonna be with him when I die. And when we have that perspective, yes, thank God for that. And when we have that perspective, that is what gives us our purpose. And I tell you, I know I've said this before, but I don't pray a lot for things moving forward because I just, I just trust God. I mean, he'll put things on my heart and I'll definitely pray for things, but man, I would say my prayer life is like 90-10. And I am very satisfied with that because that's what it's about. Because this, again, this is where I find my purpose. All that stuff up there is cool, makes me feel good for a minute, but it's not giving me purpose. The purpose has got to be grounded in the cross. There's no other place to get it not long-standing, and we have to understand the cross. You know, and we do understand it to a degree, but it's got to get past our head and even a past experience and get to the core of who we are. Because of what Jesus did, because he endured the cross, we get to embrace the cross. Because it's not a symbol of death for us in our life, it's a symbol of surrender, it's a symbol of giving ourselves to him, and we're dying to ourselves, so to speak, but it's not that we have to die like Jesus did. We just live our life for him. And we understand the, the formula of the cross. We understand kind of the system of the cross. You know, basically that my sin plus nothing means I'm gonna be eternally separated from God and going on my way to hell. And that my sin plus the cross equals forgiveness. You know, that's kind of the formula. And we understand that. 
We understand the, the cross is what bridged the gap between us and God, and that's all good, but we have to get past just understanding the formula and let it become part of our life, part of all that we are. I mean, our prayer, our prayer life, I think it's wonderful if we're thanking him for the cross all the time, all the time, because it never gets old. It's, it's never not bringing forgiveness for your sins. So if, whether or not you even know you sinned in the last day or so, just getting out of bed, you're just by nature, you're a human being that has got flesh, that has desires that want to turn you away from God. So there's always sin crouching at the door trying to have its way in our life, right? The only thing that's bringing forgiveness for that sin is not, not just because I know how to pray, it's because the cross. It's because of what he did for me. And that is what gives us the purpose. Um, I just wanna share quickly, Paul, you know, the apostle Paul, he had like the greatest revelation of Jesus, probably of any human that's ever lived. He got to go to the third heaven, the Bible says. We don't know if that was physically or out of body or what it was, but he got to see heaven. And obviously Jesus met him on the road to Damascus. He had these incredible encounters with God, the greatest revelation. It's why he wrote so much of the New Testament. And yet, here's what he wrote towards the end of his life in his first letter to his protege, Timothy. First Timothy 1.15, he says, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am the worst. It's interesting that he says that. The man that had more revelation than anyone else, the man who probably gave more than almost anyone else, lived his life doing missionary journeys and eventually losing his life for the gospel. Why did he say I'm the worst? Was he trying to do like a humble brag, you know? Or like, you know, how when you say something really bad about yourself, hoping that everybody around you corrects you? say, oh no, you're not like that, you're amazing. I don't think he was doing that. In fact, I know he wasn't doing that. And frankly, this was a letter that was handwritten and taken to somebody. So, I mean, it would've taken them forever to come back and say, no, Paul, you're great. <laughs> it's not what he was doing. The greater revelation we have of Jesus, the more we see how inadequate we really are. See, the reason we don't focus on the cross enough is because we don't really know how inadequate we are. We think we're actually probably okay. Like, man, I, I'm doing good. I mean, I, I just... There's so many things I'm doing right. I know God just loves me because I'm doing right and I'm doing good. And we don't really see, we don't get the revelation that Paul got. Thank God he wrote it down so we have it in the Bible. But Paul had this incredible revelation and the more revelation we get of Jesus, the more we see how much we need the cross. That should be our prayer. Jesus, reveal more of yourself to me. Sometimes we pray that, but we think, oh, if he reveals himself, I'm just gonna, I wanna feel better about myself. The more I see Jesus, the more, I, more he's revealed to me, I'm gonna feel just better and better and better about how much God loves me. Well, Paul got all this revelation, all this revelation, he goes, I'm the worst sinner there is. Because he saw the holiness of God. He saw the perfection of who God is. And that revelation is what kept him coming back to the cross. You know, Paul preached the cross all the time. In fact, he said, you know, I, I, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus and the cross. Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's it. And Paul had a greater revelation than any of us will ever have until we get to go to heaven as well. So take that into consideration. The cross changes us as much as it saves us. And I wanna quickly I don't run out of time, I'm gonna give you my three points, but I'm gonna go through them quickly, don't worry. But I wanna talk about how do I know if the cross is changing me, because the cross changes us, it's a, it's a progression in our life for the most part. I mean, you're sanctified and you are, you're, you're, you're saved and you're justified immediately when we embrace the cross, but 
There's other parts of us that get changed that progresses and we need to know, is it changing me? And the first way we know is that my presumptions are changing. What I believe is actually changing. You know, we all have presumptions and virtually all our opinions are filtered through our experiences or how we think or how we feel, right? We have presumptions about all kinds of stuff in life. I'll give you a practical one for me. You know, I, I, I love to golf, it's a hobby of mine. Um, it's really about the only thing I do outside of me with my family on my free time is to, I love to go out on the golf course and golf. And, and based on my experience and my feelings, I know the next time I go out to golf, my presumption is going to be that there are gonna be probably two holes that I'm gonna think, I might be able to quit this pastoring thing and go to the PGA. <laughs> the ones that have golfed with me are laughing the hardest. The other, the other 16 holes, I'm gonna think, why do I have these clubs? I should sell them and quit wasting my time, right? That's based on my experience. It's a presumption I have based on my experience. And we do the same thing in our faith where we have feelings or presumptions about God based on our lean. And the cross flies in the face of all of them. And you, as, you, as you allow the cross to change you and grow, you start, you recognize them and you see them. You know, all of us have a, have a lean when it comes to like how we feel about ourselves in comparison to God and in the cross. You know, some of us think that we're a good person and we just need God to help us get better. Well, and if you are good enough and you're a good person, then God is the biggest masochist in the universe. Because for him to send his son to die a brutal death on a cross, if you didn't have to, doesn't make any sense. So you're not good enough. In fact, the Bible tells us that we were objects of his wrath is what we were destined for without Jesus doing what he did for us. So we're not good enough, so the cross tells us that. You're not good enough or Jesus wouldn't have had to come. But then you have the other side where you feel like, well, I'm definitely not good enough. I'm not even good enough for God to love me now. There's just no way, I'm a terrible person Nobody loves me, everybody in my life leaves me, I'm unlovable, I don't deserve anything. Well, the cross flies in the face of that too because if, if you weren't lovable, if he wasn't able to love you, he wouldn't have went to the cross either. He would have just given up and wiped us all out. But because he loves us, he died for us. And he didn't die for the, the people that have it all together, he died for all of us. He died for you and he died for me. So the cross flies in the face of that and the cross made it so that we can know him and so we can be, and we can love him and be in relationship with him. The truth of the cross is constantly bringing us back to our purpose and getting rid of our presumptions. We also know because our priorities are changing. What I care about is going to change if the cross is changing me. What my priorities are. Do you, do you find that you struggle in your faith to filter your priorities through your faith? I think that can be a challenge for us at times. You find yourself thankful for salvation, but you don't let your faith have much say when it comes to prioritizing your life, your plans, your decision, your relationships, even your hobbies, all those things. Do you allow your faith to filter those things? Your focus on the cross is directly related to how you prioritize your life. When, when the cross is changing us, it will change our priorities. The things that we think are important will become less and less important in our life. You know, you can be a Christian and still mostly focus on yourself and prioritize things the way you wanna prioritize them. It's counterintuitive, because the Bible talks about not doing it for yourself and, you know, and living your life for Jesus, but the reality is, it, you don't lose your salvation if you're focused on yourself. And we can do that because, just because we believe something doesn't mean we care about it more than we care about what we want and trying to fulfill our own purpose and trying to make ourselves feel good and be comfortable. 
But as the cross changes us, it changes those priorities in our life. We need to prioritize the cross first. And then third and finally, if the cross is changing me, my purpose is changing. And this is kind of the bookend of this whole message, that he is our purpose. That he, if the cross and the gospel is doing its work in my heart and in my life and I'm allowing it to, it will change my purpose. It will cause me to focus on him. This is the fruit of the cross. And the thing is, if, if we get to this place, many of the things we will do won't even change, just the why will change. Why we do the things we do. You know, we're actually pretty good, a lot of us, at religious duties. We know how to, we know how to do the things that you're supposed to do, especially if you've been raised in church, you know, how to, you know how to work the system, so to speak. But as we, as the cross changes us, we might still be doing the same things, but we're doing it for a different reason. We're doing it because that's what gives us purpose. And if we, if we don't understand it, and it is a religious duty, eventually it will become exactly what my text verse is debunking. That last verse in my text in Galatians 2, uh, 2 verse 21, it says, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. If righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. If my priority is to try to be righteous by being good, Jesus did it all for nothing. Because we can't be good without him. You see, this system that we work under sometimes in our mind can be a monster. It can really take over and be what really, it can be the purpose in our life to look a certain way, to act a certain way in certain circles and to look the part. Not even trying to be deceptive, but just not really knowing how to not be that way. We're focusing, we're going back to focusing on the byproduct of the subtext of the cross and not really the cross and laying down our life for the cross. In fact, Oswald Chambers was quoted as saying, the biggest threat to the kingdom is Christian service. Us doing our Christian-y stuff is one of the biggest threats to the kingdom of God. And I can attest to that because I was really, really good. I was a professional Christian service person. I don't know if that's a job, but if there was one, I was doing it for free. And I was killing myself. And I was never, ever feeling like I had purpose. My purpose was to look a certain way. My purpose was to try to do enough to make God bless me and to make him leave me alone, if nothing else, but not to judge me. And we are wasting our time. And we are missing the purpose that God has for us in our life. He is our purpose. Let us not miss the focus of the cross in our life. The gospel is the good news. And the cross is the best part of the gospel. Amen. Stand with me if you would, please. I want to pray for us this morning, this afternoon. I want to invite you to the altar. Okay? I want to pray for you. We want to pray for purpose today that God would, would reveal his purpose, that, he would, that he, we would let him speak into our presumptions, that we would make it a priority, that we'd be willing to let God change our priorities in our life. I just wanna pray for you. It, it's, uh, I, I think there's power in stepping out. I think that God meets us in these places. This is like building an altar to God when we come to God and we're saying, God, I want you to, I want you to do your work in my life. He meets us in those places. It's a sacrifice. There's no great power at the front of this stage. It's not about that. It's about being transparent before God. And I know he honors that. You want God's purpose for our lives. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I know a lot of us struggle with the, the idea of Christian service and doing the trying to attain righteousness. It's a challenge. It's a constant challenge for us. And I love what Jesus said. I, I saw this in the scriptures this week and I was reminded of it. Uh, he said in, uh, in Luke 10, 20, he sent the disciples out, you know, to, to go out and cast demons out and to heal people. And they came back and they were so excited. They're like, man, even the demons have to listen to us when we use your name, Jesus. And you know what he says? He says, don't rejoice in all that Christian service. Don't rejoice that I'm using you. Don't rejoice that you have power from me. Don't rejoice in any of that stuff. That stuff's all fine and good, but don't rejoice in that. What does he say? Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In other words, I don't think I'm doing violence to the scripture by saying rejoice in the cross because that's why your name is written in heaven. Rejoice in what I've done for you. Don't just look forward and find your purpose in the fact that you can pray for someone and they get healed. You can, you can cast a demon out of someone. You can do all kinds of really cool Christian service. Don't rejoice in that. He's saying, don't find your purpose in that. I mean, he did it, so it's obviously of him and it's a good thing, but he said, don't find your purpose in all of that stuff out there. Find your purpose back here. Come back here. Come back here. This is where it's at. That's where the purpose is at. Church, many of us have missed it for years. You've gone years and years and years and years without feeling like you have purpose in your life. It's the cross. It's the cross. It's really that simple. When we focus on the cross, all the other things tend to just become more dim. They matter. They just don't matter as much as the cross. Let's not just focus on the cross at Easter. Every day. Every day. Thank him for the cross. This week, get up every day, thank him for the cross. Thank him for the cross. And if you don't even feel it, and it's like, I know I'm saying this, but I don't really, do it till you feel it. Do it till you feel it. He'll reveal it to you. He wants to. He wants to reveal the cross to us more than anything else. Because that's where it starts. That's where our purpose is. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your presence in this place today, God. Lord, we thank you that you're moving among our people and among our hearts today, God. God, I thank you for your conviction that draws us back to you. Thank you for not allowing us to be content in finding our purpose anywhere else outside of you and outside of the cross. Lord, today we declare for all of us at the altar, we are crucified with Christ. I no longer live, Christ lives in me. My purpose is found in you. Thank you for bringing us from death to life so that we can lay down our lives for you. God, thank you. You're the only way we can do this. It's only because of you. It's only because of your work in our heart. No one can even come to you unless you draw us. So I thank you that you've been drawing us to you, God, and that you're gonna finish the work that you started in each and every one of us. God, thank you for debunking our presumptions. Thank you for changing us. Thank you for uh, changing our priorities. And thank you for giving us purpose. And we give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. Let's praise God one more time. Thank the Lord.